no playing games. I, I gotta, I gotta mind my my behavior here. So, um, no, it is really nice just to be up here. Pastor Jackie asked if I'd teach today, and I always uh, love the opportunity to uh, to get to teach, and it always uh, gives me another opportunity to study the Word and to uh, just dig deeper and to um, see what the Lord has. Uh, last time I was up here, I talked a lot about going to Mexico and being missionaries. That's still uh, still on our hearts. But the Lord has kind of slowed us down a little bit. Um, on the other end, he's slowing that down a little bit too. So it's kind of a... Um, help me out, Lisa. It's kind of like a... Uh, it's on hold. So, um, so our guy down in Mexico, he's still staying there for a while. Uh, we're waiting for the opportunity to Jordan in Jordan to uh, to spring up. So that's going to take a little bit longer than normally uh, we thought. And so in the meantime, the Lord uh, has a sense of humor. You know, he uh, He tested us to see if we were going to be obedient. And, and we were obedient. We were ready to do whatever the Lord had for us. And we were ready to move if that's what the Lord wanted us to do. And so to me, I just see him up there smiling at us and saying, okay, let's see how obedient you really are. And then he says, okay, go work in children's ministry. And so, so that's where we are now, and it's great. It's been awesome. Uh, the kids are lovely. I've learned so much more from them than I'm sure I've taught them. But uh, it's just a, just a refreshing experience to, to be around that group of kids. And the things that I'm learning from them is, uh, is really remarkable. I'm learning that... God uses everybody for his glory. There's a young lady in there. Um, she's probably this tall, but uh, she just has so much of the Lord in her. And she hasn't been a Christian for very long, but the impact that she's had on her family's life and her friend's life is just amazing. You know, um, she actually brought her family to church. You know, God put a desire in her heart to go to church. And so every Sunday she would say, hey, let's go to church, let's go to church, let's go to church. And finally, I guess the parents were like, ah, just shut up. Let's go to church, you know. <laughs> so um, it's awesome. We have an incentive program that we're doing now. And I'm sorry to some of you parents. I'll apologize now before. Um, but uh, if, one of the, if the children memorizes all the books of the Bible, tells me the two parts of the Bible, how many authors, how many books then they get either a skateboard, a bike, scooter, or a hoverboard. So um, we've already had four little girls memorize all the books of the Bible. And uh, it's been really cool to see them um, really dig deep, really um, apply themselves, really um, just study hard. And now they know every book in the Bible, and they can recite it. And uh, it's pretty amazing just to see the Lord work uh, in those little people. So uh, at first I thought Pastor Jackie was crazy for putting me back there, but now I thank him because it's, uh, it's, a, nice, it's a nice change of pace. It's a nice surprise. It's um, just amazing to see what the Lord is doing. So uh, today we're going to continue our study in First Timothy. We're in uh, chapter 6, verse 11 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. If not, we're, we're on the board.
We'll start in verse 11. But as for you, O men of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good, confe- the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only uh, Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honored and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrevility babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you again once for just the ability to meet here. Lord, to meet in this church, to meet with our fellow believers, Lord. To meet freely, Lord. To uh, be free of persecution, to be free of violence, to just uh, be able to... Uh, get here and enjoy this place with your people, Lord God, and, and just to hear your word. Lord, I pray that uh, I can be a vessel this morning, Lord God. Remove me from the situation and just uh, just may your word be spoken. Lord, I ask that you open up our, our ears to hear your word, Lord, Lord. Open our hearts and open up our minds, Lord. I just pray that uh, we will leave this place changed. May your word not fall on deaf ears, Lord God. And may, us, may, uh, may we be workers, uh, not just only hearers, but doers as well, Lord God. So I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we uh, continue and, and finish up this last bit of this letter to Timothy, um, I just want to kind of talk about the situation that's going on. And uh, Timothy is, he's in his 30s. Um, and he's given this huge task to be the pastor of this church in this megacity of Ephesus. And at this time, um, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, a lot of wealth in this city. Wealth equates power in the world. And um, I know Pastor Jackie covered it a lot last week and the week before about the false teachings and the greed and, and all those things. Um, and so let's just look at Timothy for just a second. He was, like I said, he was in his 30s. Uh, some of his tasks that he was supposed to do, he was supposed to stop the false teaching. He was supposed to build up his own ministry in his church. 
He's supposed to build up the public prayer in the city, uh, lead the other leaders in the church, oversee the practical care over the orphans and the widows, and uh, lead his entire congregation to pursue a godly lifestyle and to lay out treasures in heaven. So he had quite a task that he was entrusted with. And you could see that he needed some encouragement from time to time. This is a big task to do. Um, even here with you know, our congregation, that's a big task. For him, he had you know, thousands of people. You know, this city was you know, 10,000 times, 10, times the size of Buell. So there was a lot going on. The church was still new. Christianity was still new. A lot of people were coming in trying to destroy it. And so Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, on how to try to take control of this church and try to build him up. Timothy was kind of a shy guy. We know that he had some tro- uh, stomach problems, right? And that uh, could probably be caused by nerves. And for him, it would have been hard to find the energy and the time to sustain this kind of ministry, right? There's all these bad things happening in his ministry. He's got this huge church. He's a younger guy. He's trying to do the right thing. He loves Jesus. Paul's telling him how to run things and how to do things. And, and your mentor is Paul. You know, you see this guy. You've seen this guy get stoned and then raise up and go right back in, right? That's the guy you're following. Not only are you following Jesus, but you got this guy, Paul, who's just almost um, superhumanist, you know. God used him to do some amazing things. And now Timothy uh, has to fall behind those. And so Paul's writing this letter to him, trying to give him some encouragement, trying to help him get through and to build him up. And so we look in the first verse and it says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And when I first read this, and I just, to be honest, I started at verse 11. Usually what Pastor Jackie tells us to do is start at the very beginning of the book or the letter and read through it. And so I just uh, tried to get a head start and just started with 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And it really didn't stick out to me too much, but as I went back to the beginning and read this letter, the O men of God stuck out to me. Um, The reason it stuck out is because in this section of the letter, it was very intimate, it was very personal to Timothy. Paul is writing to, you know, his student. Could have been his favorite student. Someone he truly loved, right? Somebody he's building up. Someone he sees... um, Not really struggling, but the possibility of struggling. You know, ministry is a hard thing. And so he's trying to encourage this young man to become a bold uh, pastor in this huge church. And so what he tells him here, and and I want you guys to notice it as well, is it's a very personal part of the letter, you know, written by the spiritual father. So why not use his name? Why didn't he just use Timothy here? You know, why not say, hey, Timothy, you know, pursue righteousness? Well, he didn't use it because um, he's trying to build him up. You know, he used the term man of God to encourage him. You know, Timothy only was familiar with the Old Testament. 
And the man of God was uh, a title only used by a handful of people in the Old Testament. And those people are Moses, Samuel, King David, Elisha, and Elijah. So when Paul calls Timothy man of God, that's a huge boost to his ego. That's a huge boost to his character saying, look, you're a man of God. You're taking a huge step and we need you to continue and to push and to fight and to build up this church. And so he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Paul is writing to Timothy here, calling him a man of God, because he wants Timothy to live not by his human nature, but by who God has called him to be. You think Timothy ended up in that place by accident? No. God put him in that place. God put him in that place for a reason. Timothy was the one that was supposed to be there, and Paul knew that. So what he's calling Paul to do, or Timothy to do, is to be God's man. Oh, man of God. Timothy, be God's man. What about you? Do you believe you belong to that same phrase? Do you guys believe that you're men or women of God? If we look in 2 Timothy 3.16, it states, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So it says right there that the man of God, also the women of God, right? This scripture is for all genuine Christians. If you are in Christ, you are as much as a man of, or woman of God as those in the Old Testament, right? You're as much as a man of God as Moses was, as Samuel was. Is King David, Elijah, Elijah, right? You're as much as a woman of God as Deborah or Sarah, Ruth, and Esther. Now, this is where Christians, Christian encouragement begins. Paul is saying to Timothy, you need to know who you are. Who you are in Jesus Christ. We all knew who we were before we knew Jesus, right? Most of us were a mess. But what happened to us once we accepted Jesus? Yeah, we're still a mess, but we're a little bit less of a mess, right? We have somebody transforming us, right? Instead of going down, we're going up. And that's what Paul's trying to do here is encourage his young student. So we are all... God's men or women. We have all been bought with a price. And what was that price? The price was Jesus, right? God created you. Christ redeemed you. And we all have a purpose, right? No matter how hard you think your life is or how much God has given you to deal with, he is there to give you the strength, Right? What is Timothy by nature? What are we by nature? We're just human beings. Timothy, he was shy. He was timid. He was a nervous guy. He was overwhelmed, over-promoted, over and had a bad stomach. Right? By grace, he is God's man. So do we live by nature or do we live by God's grace? Timothy needed to know who he was in Christ. When God speaks to believers, he speaks not 
as we are by nature, but as we are by grace in Christ. So God's asking us these things, to do these things, not by human nature, but by grace in Christ. When the charge is given to Timothy, he is not remembered, reminded about his weaknesses, right? He's not reminded about his helplessness or his inadequacies or even his own sin. He is challenged by the honor which is his, the honor of being God's man. See, that's why in the New Testament you never see God speaking to believers in anything less than an encouraging word. Right? God's there always lifting people up. He's not there beating people down. That's how we, we ought to be, right? Encouraging people. God lifts us up by calling us to be who we are in Christ Jesus. You're God's men and women in Jesus Christ. Now as we continue in verse 11, it says flee these things. Well, what things are we talking about? Well, if we go back to the last thought, which is verse 9 and 10. It says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through many things. And again, I know Pastor Jackie covered this last week. And I just want to hit on it for just a second. And it's not that wealth is a bad thing. You know, wealth is, can be a good thing. It's that the desire to be rich is bad. It's that desire. Why do people desire to be rich? People desire to be rich for either security or for um, hope or for joy. All that stuff should be found in Jesus, right? Money will come and go. Money will perish, right? When we leave this world, we can't take that with us, can we? When we leave this world, we have one or two places we go. Neither one of those places require any of our money. So um, spend your time wisely, I guess. You may ask yourself, why... Is wanting to be rich a bad thing? The real question is, why do you want to be rich? I know when I was a kid growing up, I always wanted to be rich. I wanted to have a big house. I wanted to have fancy cars. And as, I, as you get older and you mature, you realize, well, big house means you got to clean more. Yeah. I don't like to clean. Well, you could buy a maid. Well, yeah, but then you got other headaches to deal with. And so, as we mature and we get older, we realize that money is not the most important thing. It's our relationship with Jesus. You know, where is our foundation built? You know, do we spend our time here on earth building up our foundation here on earth? Or do we want our treasures to be in heaven? You know, most people spend their entire life working. Their entire life working for what? Pay your bills, buy a bigger house, buy a nicer car, and then as soon as they retire, they have a heart attack and they die. You know? I mean, sorry. Know, know where your foundation is. Okay? Know where you're putting your treasure. 
Are you putting your treasure in your bank account? Or are you putting your treasure in heaven? Um, flee. Love of money and the desire to be rich. It can be a fight. Right? We look in Matthew 6, 24. And it tells us, you know, you can only have one master. Right? You can't have two masters. You'll love one and despise the other. You can't love God and money. Um, and it's a real fight, and it's a hard fight, especially here in the United States. Um, we're all taught growing up the American dream. Work hard, get as many things as you want, and you'll be successful. Sometimes that's how we define success, is by how much power, how much money, how much prestige you have. Like we were talking about, you know, money will bring security, some people think. It will bring safety, hope, and joy. But that's all false. It's just another lie from the enemy. Spending your time chasing things of this world leaves you little time to pursue God. But us that are true believers know where our security and hope truly lies. It's not in riches, but in the Lord. I don't know how many times I've heard people... uh, Say to me or Pastor Jackie to say, you know, hey, but if I had more money, I could help out so much more. You know, and we say, really, how, how much does it cost to take out the trash? Right? How much does it ta- cost to teach a Sunday school class? Nothing. Right? We don't, we don't want your money. We want you. Right? We want your time. God wants your time. God wants your heart. You can work and do all these things, and at the end of the day, you're empty because you don't have the Lord. And as we move on, we're into the second part of this. It says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And what does it mean to pursue? Some of you, um, well, hopefully most of you, had to pursue your spouse. Um, and what was that like? You know, you woke up with that desire to see them, be with them, right? You go to bed with that same feeling. You desire, you pursue. It's a constant striving for. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Pursue righteousness. Always seek righteousness. Always seek godliness. Always seek faith. Always seek love. Always seek steadfastness and gentleness. These are six virtues mentioned in, two, in three pairs. And so they pair up together very well. Each trait represents a must to ensure Timothy's effectiveness in his ministry. Can he be a very effective minister if he's not righteous? No. What about if he's not godly? Well, of course not. If Timothy doesn't have faith, what about love? steadfastness or gentleness. The same goes with us as Christians, right? Can we be good Christians if we don't have love? (laughs) No, you know, that's basic. What if we're not righteous? So as we go on, you know, the term righteousness refers primarily to upright conduct before God and before men. Godliness it's the same, you know, it's open and obedient relationship before God. The words faith and love, 
reflect trust in God and benevolence and goodwill towards others. Timothy would need endurance in order to guarantee staying power for his difficult task. He needed gentleness in order to deal effectively with heretics and non-believers. Now as we move on to fight the good fight of the faith, that's a great, uh, as Pastor Jackie says, a great sticker to put on your fridge. You know, fight the good fight. It's so easy to say. Right? It's so easy to say. Well, just keep fighting the good fight. But it's so hard to do. In the Greek, it translates into agonize the agony. It's a little bit different than, than our, uh, our definition. And it's a continuous struggle Paul uses the language here as an Olympic athlete. So he's talking, fighting as an, an Olympic athlete would, would prepare. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever known any Olympic athletes, uh, but I had a chance to, uh, to work at the Olympic Training Center in the late 90s in Colorado Springs while I was in the Army. And these athletes are almost programmed. Um, they get up the same time every day. They eat, they sleep, they rest, they breathe. Everything they do is to make them better. You know, they have a very tight schedule starting early in the morning until their curfew. You know, they're adults, but yet they still have curfews to make them the best that they can be. Their entire day is designed to make them better. They get up, they eat uh, a prescribed diet, uh, then they train, they stretch, they eat, they work out, they eat, they focus on their sport, they study, and their whole day is designed to make them better. What, what would our day look like if that's what we did for Jesus? Just a portion of our day was dedicated to Jesus. That's what Paul's trying to tell Timothy here, is, is fight, the, fight the good fight. Not just early in the morning, not just late at night, but the entire day. And when we talk about fighting the good fight, or fighting at all, I'm always reminded about Ephesians 6.10, which um, should be encouraging. Because we don't have to fight alone, right? Even though our enemy is invisible, spiritual warfare is a very real thing. And God gives us the answer to that. In Ephesians 6.10 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I'll say that one more time because sometimes we struggle with this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayers and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints." 
So yes, we have to fight, but we have a God that gives us all the tools we need. Every morning when we get up, we need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time in prayer. But the enemy likes to tell us, well, at least in my case, hit the snooze button, right? Sleep in just a little bit longer. You got time. Well, what does that do? Well, that takes away from my morning devotion, right? That takes away from my morning um, spiritual fitness time, right? If I hit snooze one more time, then that's less time I have to put on my armor for the day. That's less time I have to pray and get ready for the day. You know, usually the times where we rush out the door without prayer are the days that don't seem to go right, at least in my case anyway. Um, So it's very important that we take this time, dedicate time throughout your day to fight the good fight, right? Prepare yourself for a spiritual attack that is going to happen. It's going to happen to all true Christians. All genuine Christians are going to face battles. You know, when we give our lives to the Lord, doesn't mean our lives are going to be easy. doesn't mean our lives are going to be perfect. It just means that, you know, we live for Jesus now and that the enemy is going to try to drag us back down. You know, it talks about fight the good fight. We know who wins, right? It's not a mystery. God wins. Devil loses. Okay, you got two sides to, to pick. You want to be on the losing team or the winning team? Okay, right? We all want to be on the winning team. The second part of verse 12, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So the good confession of many witnesses, that's talking about when Timothy was baptized, right? When we as Christians make a public confession, that's when we get baptized. Um, it's usually when we are, uh, you know, getting baptized and we are committing to ourselves that we are a follower of Jesus. If we look in Romans ten nine, it'll tell us. I can tell you, but I don't want to get it wrong. Jackie's going to be watching this. He might be watching right now. (laughs) Am I in the right spot? Yes. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Very easy, right? When we baptize, don't we declare Jesus as our Lord and Savior in front of others, many? Now Paul reminds Timothy of this confession. A Christian is a person who has reached a conclusion that Jesus is Lord. A confession is more than an opinion. In baptism, it's an act done in front of witnesses. The role of the witness is to remind you of the confession you made. That's why we do it publicly, right? It's a public declaration saying, look, I surrender my life to the Lord. And all those who are there to witness that baptism should also be there to help that brother or sister, right? Just like any witness at a marriage, you want to be there to help that marriage. Same with the baptism. Remind one another in difficult times, you are not on your own. You are are bought with a price. You are not aimless and lost in this world. You belong to Jesus. You have made your good confession. You are His. 
We are to encourage one another in this way. Now you see that this is exactly what Paul is doing here with Timothy. He's trying to encourage him, trying to build him up, trying to get him ready. So here's the good thing. If you're truly God's man or woman, and you do pick up your cross and follow Jesus daily, you don't need to wake up every morning wondering who you are or what your worth is. You're priceless and you belong to Him. Now as we move on to verse 13, it says, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Here, Jesus is giving us an example to follow. And on Sunday nights, we do a study called Living by the Book. And recently, one of our tasks was find an example to follow. And um, here, this is the most perfect example to follow, right? It's Jesus. He's in front of basically the king of that area, right? The governor of that area. And he asks them, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus could have said anything. Right? And I just love how the way Jesus answers and how he talks to the Pharisees and to the rulers of that day. And he says, it is you who say I am. Right? So Jesus isn't confessing. He's just saying, that's what you're saying. Right? I'm not saying that. That's what you're saying. Have you made that confession? Have you made the confession that Jesus is my Lord and Savior? Remember who you are and who you belong to. So in this section, we're talking about pursuing righteousness. Fight the good fight. Take hold. All these things can be very tiring, right? Fighting the good fight is very tiring. But it is God who gives life. Remember who you are. Part of uh, verse 13 tells us, you know, God who gives life to all things. That's where we get our strength from. That's where we get our hope from. That's where we get all these things from is from God. Right? If we continue to fight the good fight, yeah, things are going to happen. Illnesses are going to happen. Cancer is going to happen. All these things are going to happen. But God's the one that gives us life. Right? Tap into that. Move on to verse 14. To keep... The commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of Lord Jesus Christ. Don't give the world any reason to doubt, right? We confess that we're Christians. We need to act like we're Christians, right? We need to act like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, right? What do you guys want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Do you want to be pursuing riches or do you want to be pursuing righteousness? Do you want to be fighting the good fight or do you want to be fighting with your spouse? You know, all these things we got to keep in mind because Jesus is coming back, right? And if we look at the news, it's going to happen sooner than later. Um, So be prepared. Do we know when this is going to happen? Do we have a clock that's counting down saying, okay, in 10 years, 5 months, and 3 days, Jesus is coming back? No, we have no idea. So we have to be right with the Lord today. We have to be right with the Lord now. We can't wait till tomorrow. Can't wait till next week. We can't do all our sinful things this year and then start 2021 as a as a good Christian, 
right? We've got to get right today. Fight that good fight. Which he, God the Father, will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternity and dominion. Amen. So God knows the time, God knows the hour, and only he does. And he leaves it up to us to pursue the good things, to be prepared for when he comes. And what do we do until he comes? You know, he just told us, you know, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, fight the good fight. Be committed to what you believe. Integrity and loyalty. As for the rich in this present day, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So another task that Timothy had was to talk to the wealthy people of that day and tell them, you know, being wealthy is okay, but do it in this, do it in this manner. You know, don't be haughty. Don't be prideful. Um, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches because riches can come and go, right? The stock market can crash. Um, things have happened like that in the past, right? And it's God who provides us with everything we need, you know, not finances, not the banks. One interesting fact that I found uh, during my studies is that more Christians compromise what they say um, what they say they believe when they are confronted by those who have or who they believe are rich it's because they're intimidated because of the power of wealth and the importance of it and it becomes a thing of approval what we say to the rich so it's weird how us as Christians sometimes will change the way we speak or the way our beliefs are to those when we talk to rich people. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just human nature, I guess. You know, and that's one thing I appreciate about our pastor is he doesn't want to know how much you make or what you tithe or what you give. He wants to be able to treat everybody the same. And that's the same thing that uh, you know, Paul's trying to teach Timothy is, you know... We can't treat people differently because of what they, what they bring or what they tithe. It's all a heart issue. And um, the attitudes of the rich can be prideful, right? Their security is in uncertainty and not in the Lord. One of the things Paul was trying to teach Timothy here is, what is the source of their wealth? Did they do it on their own or did God give that to them? What is the purpose of their wealth? What are they to do with that wealth? He gives us all things to enjoy. Another uh, thing I thought that was interesting that I find is found that the person who is most happy, the people that are most happy in this world, are the people who learn to share their riches. There's a lot of people in this world that don't want to share their riches, right? They want to die with all their stuff. But those who share their riches are those who are the most happy. 
So Paul turned from a series of abominations to Timothy to give advice to those already rich. The preceding words on the on the wealth um, were in verses you know six through ten. We're speaking to those who aspire to be wealthy. As a final thought, Paul spoke a word to those who already had it. The constructive advice here balanced the more extreme possibilities of the early passages. He did not condemn the wealth, but he showed them how to use their wealth. He showed the added temptation that the wealth faced. And he was virtually concerned that Christians have the right attitude towards their wealth and make the proper use of it. Now, verse 17, Paul begins referring to the present world, suggests that the wealth can have, the wealthy can have their wealth only in this age. It is good for this present world, but it does not convert automatically into the blessedness in the world beyond. Talked about that earlier, right? We can't take that with us. Use it. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Verse 19 goes on to say, Thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what which is truly life. So Paul mentioned four ways to use wealth wisely. To do good, which involves using wealth in a positive way instead of letting it feed a life of personal luxuries. How many cars does a person really need? Right? How much help can you do with that? To be rich in good deeds, pointing the wealthy in the direction in which they were to be truly rich, and the doing of good deeds. These two verbs probably included more than benevolence. The need for benevolence is emphasizes in the next pair of the terms. To be generous and also to be willing to share. So we move on to verse 19. Paul outlined the outcome of much generosity by stressing two truths. First, he stressed that giving generously to the needy stores for the giver a future treasure. Giving to the needy will, will place treasure in heaven for you. The phase for themselves emphasizes that generous givers may imagine that they are helping others, but they are also storing up significant benefits for themselves. Now, the last chapters talk about two things. One is integrity and the other is loyalty. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you and avoid the irreverable babble and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge. So Timothy is a young guy. He's a young pastor in this, in this church. And there's going to be a lot of false teachers. There's a lot of people going to come in and try to prove how smart they are. Uh, there's a term Pastor Jackie likes to use. It's called ed- educated beyond their intelligence. Sometimes, sometimes people are too smart for their own good. And sometimes they just talk because they think they know. But what, what Paul is telling Timothy here is, you know, s- stick to your guns. Don't get caught up in the rat race. You know, don't get ta- caught up in talking about false teaching. Talk about the truth. Don't talk about the nonsense. Verse 21, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. And sometimes people do get wrapped up in the babble. Sometimes people do get wrapped up in the wealth. And if you're in the ministry 
or became a Christian to be wealthy, then you're in the wrong place. <laughs> um, and Paul here is, is, again, just trying to encourage Timothy to fight the good fight. You know, use your wealth wisely. Talk to those who are in need. Encourage others. And so if you walk away with anything else today, just walk away with the fact that wealth is not bad, but the desire of riches is. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we need to pursue righteousness, pursue faith, and pursue love. So thanks for being uh, patient with me. I appreciate it. Um, let's, let's stand up and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you for uh, your servants in Paul and Timothy, Lord God. I just thank you uh, for your son, Jesus. And I just pray that uh, today uh, we all travel home safely, Lord. I pray that your word will, will be etched on our minds, Lord, and that uh, your word will not be returned void, Lord. I just uh, pray for those that are battling sicknesses or illnesses, Lord God. I do just reach out to them and their families, Lord. Just uh, lift them up and bring them peace, Lord God. I do just ask for a blessed week for all of us, Lord. I do just pray that we do not forget to to put on our armor each and every day, Lord God, to come before you each and every day and just uh, bow the knee, Lord. Help us to love you above all else, Lord God. Help us and strengthen our faith in you, Lord God. Help us to love one another more. Give us eyes to see like you see, Lord God. Help us to take our time and to be encouraging to others. Help us to build one another up, Lord God, and take that extra second to to say hi, to say how are you doing, and actually look the person in the eye and, and see how they're doing. Lord, I just pray that today that uh, each one of our brothers and sisters will reach out to somebody. Lord, we'll reach out to somebody new, either here or out on the street or in their neighborhood, Lord God, and, and just help spread your word. Help spread the good news, Lord God. I do pray for more workers, Lord, and, and I just thank you for the workers that we have, Lord. I do just uh, appreciate all those that... Uh, Spend their Sundays in Sunday school, Lord God. And I just thank you for all the servants that we have and, and all that the people do here at the church, Lord. So I just thank you so much for this body. Thank you for this church. I thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. I have this hope As an anchor for my soul Of the cross, 
There is hope. 